Welcome to the ParentLine Podcast, where we discuss the joys and challenges of modern parenting and explore how we as parents can give our children the best start in life. Hello and welcome to another ParentLine Podcast. And today I'm delighted to welcome Marianne Bradley, who is a parent advocate for children with disabilities. Hi, Marianne. Hello, Ellen. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So could you maybe tell our listeners and viewers a little uh-huh. bit about yourself, but also your daughter Maeve? Yes, um, I suppose I look at my life now in two separate sections. Uh, one, life before Maeve and life since Maeve. Mm-hmm. So I have three children and I'm married to Vincent. So Maeve is our baby. Pre, pre-life with Maeve, I was a parent, married. I was a lecturer in St Mary's uh, University College. Education was my thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, had, I thought I was changing the world because yeah. I loved my job. I loved my work with yeah. students, student teachers. And then I went into hospital to have my third child. I thought by the time we get to number three, I kind of think I know what I'm doing here. I might get it right this time. And... God knows what happened, but Maeve was born. She was supposed to be perfect, but when she was born, there was no life at all. And so she had to be resuscitated um, at birth. Mm -hmm. And that took, I suppose, it took a long time and she had a heart attack. And it was a terrible, terrible, terrible experience of of her birth. Um, So we went from expecting our third child to be totally catapulted into this whole world, mm-hmm. first of all, in the world of hospital. Yeah. And being an educator, my natural habitat was school. So hospital has become my new natural habitat, yeah. strangely. So for the in the early days, we didn't know she was going to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did ask within the first half an hour, she was taken away from me. I didn't know if I had a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose at that stage, you know, we were just in shock. We didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And I did ask the doctor when he came back to me to say, are we talking brain damage? I I was kind of saying that because I thought, Vincent doesn't get this. This is very serious. Yeah. So um, he said, possibly and probably. Because okay. at that stage, they didn't know either. So um, we spent five, six weeks in intensive care. Um, We had to go through all sorts of conversations with doctors Mm -hmm. and we had no language for that. Yeah. It's not what you expect, you know. Yeah. So I suppose that was the beginning. It was a very tumultuous, um, I suppose, chaotic experience for us as well. We Mm -hmm. had, how do we do childcare at home? I went in to have a baby. My husband was going home to Mm -hmm. look after the other two. Then we were in hospital and we had to, you know, we had no family support really where we lived. Mm-hmm. So that was really, really difficult time for all of us. And then this was the next stage was taking a child home with a disability. Mm-hmm. And I had no medical background at all. Uh-huh. I had no clue how to deal with a child yeah. who didn't feed. Um, she screamed 24-7 because mm-hmm. now I, I've been told and explained to now that she had actually got physical brain pain at that stage. Right. But we didn't understand that. Yeah. We knew nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I suppose people tried to explain things. They started to say You're, you'll need a social worker. Mm-hmm. You'll need um, some kind of um, a respite. I didn't even know what respite was. Uh-huh. We were going to need care, help, support at home. I had no idea how that worked. Yeah. Um, how do we explain to the other two children waiting for their sister to come home? Um, 
and that was after a period of wondering was she even going to live yeah and then if she lives then how is she going to be when she comes home so those first few years I mean I have calendars which show that we had maybe five appointments in in, in different places on mm -hmm. one day and that went on for the first couple of years mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you get up in the morning get your children yeah. out go to your job if you're lucky enough mm -hmm. to have a job and I was how do I how do I pay the bills because I have to keep working. How do I work with a child yeah. who needs 24-hour care? Mm -hmm. And people aren't very understanding. You know, employers don't know how to help you, I suppose. Yeah. And, and I know there's legislation there, but legislation is only useful if you apply a good dose of compassion and empathy as well. Yeah. So that was horrendous. Trying to balance those needs, yeah. you know, I found impossible. And... You know, you've touched on a little bit about people not understanding. So mm. that brings into the whole um, arena about perceptions of, yes, of disability, yes. and especially children with disabilities and also the voice of the, the parent. I mean, do you think as a society we, we try and help children with disabilities or is it the case that we still don't understand that's a huge question. Yeah. And I mean, from Maeve's now 17, that's, you know, where we are now. And we're in a very different place now, 17 years later. But in those early days, first of all, I think parents are in trauma. Okay. I think they're suffering. If if and again, dis disability depends whether what way it starts. I mean, Earth started at birth. Somebody else has a two-year-old, a three-year-old. They bring the child home. Everything's fine, and then bit by bit, they start to understand there's something different. Yes. Something not like their other children. Yeah. And I often wonder how you how parents cope because those are very different ways of the disability presenting themselves mm -hmm. to in the family situation first of all mm -hmm. so that's the first thing how does the family deal with it mm -hmm. you know and <clears throat> how do we deal with it as parents because you know you, you can feel a sense of you feel a sense of failure oh I should have known I should yeah. have managed this whatever mm -hmm. then but you've no time you've no yeah. time to process I think when things started to improve for us actually was when we went to school Okay. Those first few years were horrendous and you had professionals coming to the house all the time. Mm -hmm. um, some of them were, were nice. Many of them weren't. You know, yeah. I remember an OT coming one time and there was a guy there to talk to us about a chair. And the idea of me having a chair was... I mean, you, you, nobody dreams that, oh, my gosh, one day my daughter will be sitting in a beautiful wheelchair. That was not my dream. Mm -hmm. So there's a process of allowing yourself to get used to it. Never mind what society thinks before yeah. you even get to that stage. You, you as a family have to learn to become, um, I suppose, at peace with it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that ever really happens. I think there's always that sense of, you know. Yeah. So there's a process there of grief and grieving, which is very important before you even get to society. Mm -hmm. And then I suppose the second thing is when you do decide to go out the doors, because then it becomes the thing is, at home that becomes my norm, my natural in my family. Mm -hmm. But the minute then we had to take our child outside the doors was when life got really difficult. And that's mm -hmm. when you start to see how society deals with disability. Uh, and can you sort of touch on what the perceptions were when you did take me out? You know, how did people yeah. react mm -hmm. to you? How did people mm -hmm. react to her? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also, I guess this is a tough question and mm -hmm. I think people probably would like to ask but don't ask yes so it's mm -hmm. is it okay mm -hmm. to ask questions mm -hmm. about me if mm -hmm. is it okay to come up and ask well 
you know, what happened or, you know, is there anything I can do or, you know, those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. I remember, you see, one of Mia's things is she would, because she, she has involuntary movements. Okay. When she, when we finally got to the stage where she didn't cry 24 hours a day, we would go out and then she would get upset or the pain would be too much and she would cry. So people were looking at this child screaming. Then she would push her arms out, you know, okay. and that was an unusual movement. And then people would stare. And we were in the town one day, came home and our son got very upset. And he was only young at that stage. He said, people stare at me all the time and I don't like that. Okay. And that was the sense of them being very, you know, how they felt. And mm-hmm. they used to be protective of her. Mm-hmm. And I suppose people do stare and people can be cruel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you see, it depends where you are in your own grief. Okay. So now when I go out with Maeve, like I was out with Maeve on my own the other day. And now you're saying, out with Maeve on my own, why is that a big deal? That's huge. Because physically for me to, to take Maeve out on my own, get her into the car, mm-hmm. get you know, go anywhere, get her out of the car, get the wheelchair. I can't take her to the toilet, you know. Mm-hmm. I have to take a tube feed with me and I, and people are staring when you're trying to get the wee tube connected and do all of that. Um, so the difference now is I'm more at peace with it. I have done okay. a lot of grieving. Yes. So when I go out into the world now and people stare, you know, and people were staring the other day and I thought, I understand they don't know what's happening, so they're yes. kind of having a look and I'm I'm more at peace with that now mm-hmm. but what we do in our house is I say to Maeve Maeve you see if you had been an ugly muggle nobody would have looked at you it's because you're so beautiful everybody <laughs> oh, just wants to see how lovely, lovely you are and she loves that and, mm-hmm. and that's genuinely what I think mm-hmm. you know so to go back to your question Ellen about is it okay or how do we cope with that I like people coming up and saying it's often nice if they say can I help you in any way yes because I've been trying to get the wheelchair into the back of a car when one wheel has come off and I'm literally balancing a 54 kilogram wheelchair and people walking past me and I'm really in trouble and they don't and help. They don't help. Whereas other times now I, you know, if I have to get the wheelchair out of the car and I, I, I just stop the car in the middle of the road, put the hazard lights on, smile and wave at everybody. And people, when I'm more relaxed with it, they're all happy. But it, it, it took me to be able to deal with it because before that I would have got upset and cried and thought yeah. nobody cares. And it's a very lonely place to yeah. be. But if people come up and say... Um, offer help or just say would you mind if I asked you about your daughter mm-hmm. and I'll say to me is it okay Maeve if this lady or this yeah. gentleman or this I think children are fabulous but yeah you know because children will come around and they'll stare and they'll walk around a couple of times and they don't have those inhibitions mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll say what happened to her and of course the teacher in me immediately comes out yeah. And then I get to explain, well, you know, the way your brain helps you with your movement and things. Mm-hmm. Well, Maeve's brain was damaged and so her brain doesn't send the same messages. Mm-hmm. And then the children go, all oh, right, OK. And can she walk? You know, so they'll just ask Ex- the questions. And, and they're very, and, and of course, I think that education side of things is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we need to do a lot more work on that side of things anyway. Of course, as an educator, I would say that, mm-hmm. but I really believe it's important. But I think it's important for us parents mm-hmm. to be able to answer questions helpfully and, you know, to try and help other people to understand as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think 17 and a half years ago, before I had Maeve, would I have been that person? 
And I would have wondered and been afraid to ask and maybe tried to not look because I, I didn't understand, mm-hmm. but I wanted to. Yeah. You know, and I was afraid I would say the wrong thing and upset somebody. Yeah, and so. that's that's why I wanted to ask the yes. question because I do think sometimes yes. people are afraid. And, you know, in my mind, you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes I think, well, it, it's better to ask yes. and to be told, well, actually, this is what you should do. And then, you know, for the next absolutely, time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, yes. Um, yes. you talked, Marianne, about um, grief. Yes. Mm-hmm. So can you mm-hmm. tell me, I mean, was there and is there support? Obviously, we have parent line yes, and parents yes. can phone us uh-huh, about uh-huh. Uh, their children, no matter what age mm-hmm. their, their children are. Yeah. Um, but was there support and is there other support available for, you know, getting through that sense of loss and grieving? Mm-hmm. I think, oh, first of all, a parent has to know that they're grieving. OK. And you see, the grief can come out as anger. Yeah. So I think professionals need to be very good. I found, me it goes to Fleming Fulton. So I found in Fleming Fulton the therapists were fantastic mm-hmm. because they nurtured the parent and the carer as well as the child. That's interesting. And, and really what's important is I was given this child and I did not have any training, any background. Every single person who came to my door had gone to university and been trained except for me. Mm-hmm. And so they were all experts in the field. Well, the ones in Fleming Fulton are because they're specifically, mm-hmm. you know, experienced in dealing with our young children and our, 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 their disabilities. Community, not so much because they're supposed to deal with everybody and uh, it must be impossible. Mm-hmm. So I loved the therapists in school. They really knew me. They knew our other children. They knew the family situation. They advised us. So that was really important in the early days. And so if you wanted to have a good cry, you could kind of, you know, and they'll say, right now, um, let's talk about this. But I have seen other parents who've never grieved. Okay. And there's there's a few parents I know uh, in school at the minute. I, I can think of them now and their children and my my children. Mm-hmm. And they have never grieved and they're very angry, you mm-hmm. know. And, and I kind of worry about that. Mm-hmm. I think there should be more support and, and support dotted at different stages in the child's mm-hmm. career. So when Maeve was born, I was take, I was offered help in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I suppose to see, could we cope? Mm-hmm. Then that disappeared. Then um, I suppose you have a GP you can talk to, but then GPs like probably, sorry if there's a GP listening, excuse me. But sometimes I think, will I give you a tablet? Because that's what helps. And actually, that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. You want listening. Mm-hmm. And we went on carer's days. Like, for example, when Maeve was six or seven, we went on a care stay and a lady whose daughter was 28 said, these are the good days, wait till she's 28, nothing there. So we actually didn't want to go on care stays then because we heard these horrific, terrible stories because other people in care stays were also grieving and Mm -hmm. they hadn't had anywhere to grieve. So they they think we'll tell each other our nightmare stories. Mm -hmm. But that didn't help us. That made Mm -hmm. us feel more lonely and more isolated and frightened. So I often think in school and along the stages so that, for example, when your child is in nursery, that's born is important. Then they go to the the beginning of school because all of a sudden my child's going to a special school. Guess what? That wasn't in my dream. Mm -hmm. When I'm expecting this baby, I didn't dream. Oh, which special school would she Mm -hmm. go to? You know, you're thinking she's going to go to school that her brother and sister went to. Mm -hmm. So there's grief around that. Then there's a your child goes to a special school, other parents' perceptions, and this really bugs me, 
that your child is only there to be entertained. Sure, God love them. You know, the God love them brig- mm-hmm. brigade. Sure, you know, they don't have any real value. They don't really need to learn. Yeah, they can't get they GCSEs yes, and things so like that. so what's the point? You know, and that's very patronising and very, very lacking in respect for families and for for the young people as well. And so there's grief around, you know, that. Mm-hmm. Then there's grief around moving into secondary school because then, of course, then the cousins are all doing exams, going into GCSE, and that's quite difficult. Then, of course, and we're at that stage now, what happens when you leave school? Because all of a sudden there's support that has been, I think, has been at least there. Mm-hmm. And your child has seemed that they have some value in society to be offered an education, which is their legal right, of course. Some mm-hmm. people forget that. But they don't have anything post that. Okay. So... You know, that's huge grieving there. Uh-huh. And then we we look at where I am now, you look into the great chasm of blackness of the future okay. because nobody tells us there's any, you know, there's any yeah. future for our young people. So the grief, I think, happens at different stages. You know, I mean, whenever the cousins are graduating university mm-hmm. or getting their first job or starting to drive their car or doing whatever, mm-hmm. our children aren't doing that. Our young people are not doing that. I, I found for myself I had to be quite proactive and go, mm-hmm. right, now I think I need to go to counselling or talk to other people or yeah. acknowledge, you know, uh-huh. okay, this is this is really tough. Yeah. And I always said, well, if you're a good crier and a good talker, and I'm both, that's <laughs> go, that's going to help. Yeah. But there's a huge, it's not just a one-stop shop. It really is a process. Yeah. You know. And you were sharing um, a little while ago about going through that transition. Yes. yes. Uh, I mean, that must be really tough going, you know, coming to the end of the education part and moving on to the next yes, stage. Yes. I mean, there needs to be so much work done around transition. Uh-huh. And I would say that in the world of health, because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you go from paediatricians to adult care. Mm-hmm. We've had our second adult appointment now in neurology and there you're sitting with your young lady and they're the next age group up or 50s, 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. you know, and then they don't know how to get, you know, they don't know how to talk to a child like me, if, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. So that's, that's, that's one thing. And the basic things like, for example, for me, if when she would transition, she needs to have a wheelchair accessible bathroom. Now, people go, yeah, there's one in every building. No, there's not. There's a place that's with a wheelchair sign on it, mm-hmm. but we can't use it because we need a hoist. Yes. We need a changing table. Mm-hmm. So the changing places yes. that people talk about, the mm-hmm. changing toilets, oh, why do we need those? We need these everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we're expected to send our young people to somewhere that doesn't have that facility. So I would ask other parents then, how happy would you be to send your young 18 or 19-year-old out and say, but you can't go to the toilet today. And if mm-hmm. you need to go to the toilet, well, you're going to have an accident and just yeah, sit all day and be wet or be whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And so people kind of go, I don't see why you need that. But it's OK for their children. You know, our children are expected to, to be happy with this mm-hmm. or we're supposed to accept less, less mm-hmm. than, you know. So, Marion, you were telling me a little bit earlier about your friend who had called Parentline because they were having difficulty in terms of the transition. Yes. Yes. So um, this this young lady is 24 mm-hmm. and I suppose you leave school and right up through the years of school, at least just somebody to ask, you know, but she found that 
all of a sudden she left school she had no real support mm-hmm. um, up until the age of 18 she didn't even have a social worker so she had to have a social worker and go and find one and mm-hmm. that was a real problem for her but um, she rang Parentline and again she thought oh Parentline's only for if you have young children mm-hmm. which I'm still a parent but my daughter's 24 so anyway she rang Parentline she had the most lovely person to speak to mm-hmm. they had so much they were, they were very um well educated in that they knew the options and they knew who to ring and what to do. They were very helpful in a practical sense, Mm -hmm. but also very compassionate and supportive of her as a parent Mm -hmm. in that she's trying to explain, well, you know, my daughter is this and she needs all these things, Mm -hmm. you know, and most 24-year-old children or young people don't need those things. Mm -hmm. So it's quite hard sometimes for a parent to have to articulate that, you know, and say she needs help in the bathroom. Yeah. She doesn't need a house, but she does need support. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we, what can we do to manage those needs and whatever? Yeah. So she said, ring Parentline because mm-hmm. the, the people on the other end of the phone are fantastic. And she thought, you know, she thought they wouldn't be able to help her mm-hmm. in her situation. But she is now telling everybody she knows. That's good. You know, so that, they were that fantastic. That is great feedback. Yes, really appreciate yes. that. Uh-huh. I mean, one of the things that, you know, speaking to parents of children with disabilities that they tell me is, you know, they, they feel as if they have to explain the same story over and over to different professionals. And that leads me on to, to think, you know, why aren't these services joined up? Um, I mean, what more can our politicians do to support parents with children with disabilities? That's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's huge because, I mean, basic things. Uh, do you know, the word that always comes back to everybody is good communication. Mm-hmm. And it seems so simple. But I think what seems to happen is, first of all, there's layers of people. Mm-hmm. For example, if you want to get a wheelchair, you go to your OT. At the minute, that's what we have an OT in school. Mm-hmm. They then go to an OT, uh, you know, service. And then they then have to go and send that up the line to get agreed that the, the health service would pay for it. And then mm-hmm. they have to go and put it in order. And then they need different parts from different places. Mm-hmm. So a, a simple thing like ordering a wheelchair can take. You could go for your wheelchair assessment and you mightn't get it for seven, eight, nine months. Now, if a wheelchair is vital to mm-hmm. you, that's, you know, who waits that long for a pair of shoes when there's a whole bunch of shoes, they just go to the shop and buy one. Yeah. So, those, so there's an awful lot of layers in yeah. terms of what needs to happen. Should the OT not just say, I need a wheelchair and here's kind of the budget because, of course, budget is important. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying it's not. And then just go straight to the people and say, here's what we need. The wheelchair gets made. It gets mm-hmm. delivered straight back. The OT checks it. puts the young person in it. And then that's it. So you don't need 10 steps. Yeah. And I think the thing with politicians is they seem to listen a lot. This is what parents find. They seem to listen a lot to um, the civil servants in between. So... Whenever we're in the system, we can mm-hmm. see where problems lie, mm-hmm. but we've nobody to tell because nobody wants to listen to us. So sometimes the service, are we service users? Is that what we are? I, I, I hate that term. But, you know, the young people in the families, these are real people, mm-hmm. but they're very intelligent people. They're mm-hmm. living in the system. They can see where the gaps are, you know. So there's no money for equipment. Yet I have four things sitting in my garage that my child's grown out of. Mm-hmm. Surely they should have been picked up cleaned, worked out and brought straight back out, you know. Mm-hmm. So those those are basic things. How you get services set up where people actually need them. You know, the system's very unwieldy. Mm-hmm. We need a person to come in who knows their job, 
who can who has the, the power to do it mm-hmm. and to make this thing happen for us and then go on to the next person rather than why well, I need to go to my boss who's go to their boss who goes mm-hmm. to their boss you know so I think politicians need to not not only listen to civil servants but when they're out asking people to vote for them people are telling them on the doors of here's what we need and here people listening to this here's what I think we should do as people. We need to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. We need to stop saying, oh, it's okay that you got voted in now and that you said you were going to do this. We need to continue to bombard them and say, no, I'm sorry, you were voted in because you were going to do this Mm -hmm. and it hasn't happened. So queues in the health service, all of those things, you know, things can be done if there's a will to do them, but there's an awful lot of waffling going on. You were talking about parents being listened to. Mm. Um, it just seems as if parents aren't being listened to, not just by politicians, but mm. by civil servants or people that are um, in charge of the services. And it's as if they're listening to other professionals. Yes. yes. So how can we get the voice of parents directly to the people that can improve the service? A good example... I think of how parents were actually heard was in the last few years with the area planning for with Mm -hmm. education authority Mm -hmm. we found you see a lot of parents if your child doesn't need these things you don't realize that we as parents have to fight for every single thing Mm -hmm. so one of the things that was thrown at us was let's take your schools and let's amalgamate them. Now, mm-hmm. each school has a specialism. So our school is Fleming Fulton. It has a specialism for young people with physical disability. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I walk into school and I don't have, you know, if I don't have an educational background or I don't have some kind of health service medical background, how do I see the difference in the needs for those children rather than the young people who have needs who are on the autistic spectrum mm-hmm. their needs are totally different mm-hmm. they are equally valid so what these people who make decisions seem to do is they what they try to do is play us all off against each other right. oh um the autistic young you know if your child has this and oh physical disability is less important or whatever you know mm-hmm. which is horrendous so there's parent power is the answer mm-hmm. and when those schools were threatened to be amalgamated recently they didn't listen to us uh, when we had meetings and things mm-hmm. privately but what they did listen to was when parents came together and went down to EA and Academy Street mm-hmm. and we had the media there and the media were interviewing the parents and young people in wheelchairs mm-hmm. and young people with symbols saying you know I want my school and all of a sudden they didn't like the bad PR. Mm-hmm. So parents as a group coming together mm-hmm. with the same voice mm-hmm. and, and making sure that you're heard and we need to learn how to use media. Yeah. Because media is the way to get access mm-hmm. because essentially these people want votes and we are the people who can make the votes happen for them. Mm-hmm. So plus, I think what they don't remember and they don't realise is they can often try to put parents down. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing, the problem with that is that when we have our young people at home who need us, we are going to fight to the death for our young people. Mm -hmm. So they can shout at us and they can put us down and they can ignore us and things, but we're not going anywhere Mm -hmm. because we will continue to come back and come back and Mm -hmm. come back to things and prove. So we're a very feisty, determined, worn out and tired, (laughs) absolutely, but determined bunch of people when we get together. So parent power together I think is very important that's fantastic Mm -hmm. that actually brings me on to um, my last question and if there are parents that are listening or or watching Mm. 
this podcast and they're struggling at the moment, what advice do you have for them? Obviously, apart I mean, from they can phone Parentline. Yes. That's one of the options. Well, you see, thank God there is somewhere like Parentline now, you mm-hmm. know. Um, in my early days, I... I don't know who I talked to. I was I was broken. Mm-hmm. And what I used to notice, and I used to say this quite a lot, is if you look on page six of many papers, you will see a terrible, tragic story of a parent who mm-hmm. couldn't go on. Mm-hmm. And 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 that that whole question of mental health mm-hmm. and and the question of people being so lost mm-hmm. and so lonely. And they're sitting with their young person and the world doesn't welcome, doesn't necessarily welcome your young person, you know. I mean, you can be so broken. So mm-hmm. the isolation and loneliness is terrible. Mm-hmm. And and so what's the answer to that? Oh, I mean, how long have you got? But I do think, and not necessarily family support. People say, oh, your family. Mm-hmm. Families, either they don't know how to help. They maybe don't want to know how to help. They're mm-hmm. living their own lives. I, I don't know. It can be different things. So I, I think sometimes families are the wrong people. They don't know mm-hmm. how to help and they're too close yeah. maybe. So I do think somebody like Parentline, I felt whenever I may have started school, that became a network of people who were teaching us how to deal with their children, but also listening to us mm-hmm. as parents. So that, and all of a sudden they were then able to put us in touch with, mm-hmm. you know, with other groups, other organisations. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, when you talk to Parentline, they'll then say, here's somewhere else you can talk or here's somewhere mm-hmm. else you can go to. I also think get one or two parents who, you know, you share something with mm-hmm. and 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 sit and talk to each other. Mm-hmm. But also, I think you should also also sit down sometime, pour a cup of tea and have a laugh because, yeah. and you don't want to spend your whole life. You see, you don't want the thing of a, a young person with a disability being who you become. Mm-hmm. You know, you're still a mummy, a daddy, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a partner, mm-hmm. um, a person who works, a person who looks after children at home, whatever your role is. In the middle of that, you forget who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. One yeah. day the doctor said to me, Mary, what do you like to do for yourself? And I cried. Mm-hmm. No way. Because I, had done, I hadn't done anything for myself for so long. I couldn't remember who I was in the yeah. middle of it. So you get so lost in the needs of that young person that you don't know about your own needs. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so find a friend, mm-hmm. sit with them. And honestly, I'm really lazy, but even going outside, even sitting outside with a cup of tea sometimes, mm-hmm. clears your head. I'm, I have my own faith. I'm a very spiritual person, so mm-hmm. that has helped me. But other, you know, find good people around yeah. who are there to listen to you, you know. Yeah. And, but you do need to have a laugh. You do need to go out for a walk, even if it's 10 minutes walking around the house, just mm-hmm. be outside for a while, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and and then get a wee group of people around you. But that takes time. Yeah. Well, Marion, thank you so much for taking the time to come and, and talk to us, and I really appreciate it. You're so thank welcome. You. It's my pleasure. Thank you.